0: You're
1: listening to a message from Christian Life Ministries in Coventry, a dynamic, growing church in the heart of the nation. We pray that God will speak to you through this
0: word and impact your life for his glory.
1: Well, good morning. Whether you're joining us uh, online or whether you made it here through the rain this morning, I commend you for those who came, braved the rain, and didn't just think this morning, I'm going to join online because it's raining. Well done. You are hardcore, and I like that. So it's good. It's my privilege to bring us the word this morning. And in a few moments, uh, we're going to go to Acts chapter 5. And if you want a title for today's message, it is this. It is Unstoppable God. It's very much in line with what we've been singing this morning. Now, of course, there's no, poten- there's no shortage of potential scriptures for where we could go for such a message on this thing, because scripture is full of accounts of what God has done, of his purposes on the earth and how they have prevailed. We could go to God working through Moses, couldn't we? Overcoming Pharaoh and enabling God's people to escape from slavery to get out, when even the sea couldn't stop them. We could go to God working through Joshua as they sought to take a fortified city called Jericho. It was sealed up, the walls were high, the gates securely barred, no one going in, no one going out. But as the people circled the city in obedience to God, even the walls couldn't stop them. We could talk about Gideon, we could talk about Esther, we could talk about, well, as many others, you maybe have a favorite who you would who you would go to. We could talk about David. He was anointed by God, and even though the reigning sovereign of that land wanted him dead, God's hand remained on him, protected him again and again to bring him through. Even Saul, the king of Israel, couldn't stop him. We could go on like this, because the Bible is full of accounts. It's packed full of God working through men and women, working out his purposes, on the earth, bringing his kingdom. He's done it in times of war and in times of peace. He's done it in times of plenty and in times of scarcity, through times of comfort and times of blessing and through times of discipline and exile. It's all in there. The Bible shows that God is unstoppable. And friends, he has not changed. And when we hit Personally or nationally, times of turmoil or trouble, it is important for us to remember that we serve an unstoppable God. Of course, wherever you get your news, I'm sure you will have seen that politically things are unstable. Just this week, between typing these notes and being here this morning, another prime minister has resigned. And wherever you buy your food, I'm sure you will have noticed that financially, things are unstable. Prices are changing, shifting. There is a crisis, significant turmoil. But friends, God remains unchanged. He is the unstoppable God. He is the unstoppable God. He is not changing. Now, last week, Martin preached for us from Genesis 12, don't settle part way. And if you missed it, please do catch up because it's beginning to speak into the next season for us as a church, preparing us as we move towards this year's Vision Sunday on the 6th of November. We're trying in these messages to try to articulate what we sense God is saying to us, where he's leading us as a church, not necessarily just for the 12 months ahead, but for the season ahead. Some of that's been outlined in those vision booklets that you've either received or just, uh, just been given. And you'll have seen the words on the front of that book, uh, maturity and multiplication. We believe this is the season that God is bringing us into. Now, there's a challenge for us because if we focus on the news and on the turmoil and on the issues, on the one hand, we may think this is not the time naturally, we can find ourselves thinking, this is time to dig in. This is time to stay put. This is time to hold on tight to what we have, to keep things comfortable and familiar, to go into protective mode. Perhaps we feel more than ever like we want to settle. But that overlooks the fact that we serve a God who is the unstoppable God who is the Lord of all, who has been at work across the millennia through wars and conflicts, through the rising and falling of empires, through pandemics and famines. And he has continued to build his church and continued to bring his kingdom. And in fact, the safest place will always be in the center of his will, obedient to what he calls each one of us to do. And in fact, it's often perhaps most often in the hard-pressed of circumstances, that the gospel of Jesus flourishes and progresses the most when the worldly things and structures are shaken. And friends, just as we would not stop sowing seed if there was a famine, we're not gonna stop asking God what He wants us to do with the kingdom seed that He's put in our lives because there is some instability in our society. Now, I don't know. Maybe you are an actual sower of seed. Uh, have we got any gardeners here this morning? Just raise a hand if you like to uh, sow things, grow things. Few of us. Good. You know what I'm on with then. You may not be, and that's fine. Uh, I just want to share with you, last Christmas, one of my sisters, her name is Sue, uh, she gave us one of these for Christmas. I think we're going to have a picture uh, on here. Uh, it's called a garden caddy. There it is. Very generous gift. Um, but it was good. It came with some compost, it came with some seeds, it was all in there so that I could grow some basil, chives, and thyme. They might not be herbs that you use in your cooking, uh, but they're things that I use sometimes in mine. Now, I've got to say, this is one of those gifts. I was pleased to receive this. It wasn't one of those, you know, those ones you open and you think, what were you thinking? Who do you think I am? It wasn't one of those. I like growing things. I was glad to receive this. I didn't have to temper my response in any way. And actually, I looked forward to planting this and getting it going. I thought, actually, this is going to save me some money because then I won't have to buy the plants or buy the herbs from the supermarket. But the reality was that January was a busy month. Prayer and fasting, some ministries, some stuff going on in the family. I didn't, I didn't get around to it. February came and went and similarly, didn't, didn't do anything with it. In fact, it it ended up just kind of sitting in the kitchen by the back door waiting. I'm sure we all have some of those things in our houses. And then we had somebody coming round for dinner, and I think the house must have just got a bit out of hand. We had one of those uh, 20-minute sessions, you know, before the doorbell rings. You really hope they're not going to be early on those days, where you're like, you're grabbing things, you're putting things, you're trying to make out that actually you normally live in a respectable house and in those moments, things get moved and things get put into places they would not normally get put, yeah? That's good. It's not just in my house. And uh, the garden caddy got put out of sight and I stopped seeing it. Didn't see it for a while. And then just from time to time, I would think I must plant those seeds. I must plant them before Sue comes over again and comments that I haven't done anything with what she gave me. I kept thinking that. Now, fortunately for this story, uh, Sue doesn't come to my house that often. I would like to see her more. This is not a personal comment. She's a busy lady, lives in Oxfordshire, involved in a church, runs a Cap Den Centre, so she's on with lots of things. But she finally came to my house in April, but mercifully, I had managed to plant the seeds before she came. So when she came, there it was in the garden, and it looked a bit more like this. I think we're going to see what that looks like. They look more like that. And she was pleased. She was like, oh, you've planted it. It's good to see you've done it. She commented on it. She was glad that what she'd given had been put to good use, and I was relieved relieved. That's good. We don't need any more tension between sisters. Now, the better thing still is that I haven't had to buy any more herbs. They've just been there outside in the garden whenever I've needed them. Fresh basil with tomatoes, with salad for my lunch through the summer. And it always tastes so much better when you've grown it yourself. And they keep growing. I take the tops off. It just keeps going. The truth is this, that I have some other seeds that I still haven't got around to planting. Now, naturally speaking, we can have some things that have the power to grow and the power to multiply, but for one reason or another, we don't get round to it, and the potential stays unfulfilled. And I think this can also be true with what we might call kingdom seed, what God has given us or put in us that has the potential to grow and to build his kingdom, to multiply, Maybe it's things that we've come to know or experience of Jesus, the new life that we have in him. This is kingdom seed. Maybe the things that we've learned on the journey that we could share with others to help them, it's kingdom seed. Perhaps it's just love or encouragement that we could use to spur someone else on. It's kingdom seed. Perhaps we've got gifts or abilities. Perhaps time, something we could invest in with kids or youth or somewhere else. Or maybe finance that we could sow. Kingdom seed. I think it can be easy for us to forget the seed that we've been given, to leave it somewhere, to not do anything with it. It has the potential to grow and multiply, but instead, it stops with us. And I want us to hold on to that thought. As we turn in just a moment to the scriptures, we're going to go to Acts chapter 5, verse 17. And if you've got a Bible or a device, why not turn there, go there? I've asked Daniela Freeman to read for us. She's going to come in just one moment. Just hang on there, Daniela. Because let me just give a little bit of context as we go to Acts 5. Because if we were to go to Acts 6 and start there in verse 1, we would find there that the number of disciples was increasing. And the literal translation of the Greek word here is blessinonton. It means they were multiplying. And by the time we get to verse 7 of chapter 6, after the important work of dealing with discrimination in the early church, we're told again that the number of disciples was increasing rapidly. A different Greek word, eplethinato, also means was multiplied. The key thing is we're seeing a church that is getting ready in Acts chapter 5 for multiplication. They were entering this season, and it's a distinct shift from what we see earlier in Acts. In Acts 2, people were being added but by the time we get to Act 6, they've entered into multiplication. There is a shift. And we're not going to read all of those chapters. But we are going to dip in at Chapter 5 and see what is going on in this season. And Daniela is going to read these verses for us. Why don't you just give her a little ripple of applause? Because she's not used to standing here.
0: Um, good morning. Um, this reading is taken from Acts 5, verses 17 Then the high priest and all his associates who were members of the party of the Sadducees were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, They called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there, so they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priests were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, look. The men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They do not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We give you strict orders not to teach in this this name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We we are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin. Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Theodorus appeared, claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. They called the apostles in and had them flocked. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah.
1: Brilliant. Thank you so much, Daniela. That's great. Thank you.
0: Okay, Acts
1: chapter 5. We're joining the disciples there facing some pretty fierce opposition at this moment as they're moving from addition to multiplication. In some of the chapters in between, in chapter four, they've been raising their voices in prayer together. They've been seeing healings. They've been seeing signs and wonders, but now they're facing opposition. And I want to just really pull out three key points from this text this morning. And the first is this, that God is unstoppable. God is unstoppable because what comes through this chapter is there is constant opposition of different kinds to what God is doing on the earth, but there is a repeated pattern that the opposition is overcome. Let me just walk you through this to point it out in case you didn't notice. You see, just in these few verses that Daniela so brilliantly read, we see opposition to the work of God. The opposition has tried to eliminate it. It's tried to incarcerate it. It's tried to intimidate it. It's doing anything to get rid of it and to stop it, but God is unstoppable. Peter, we get speaking to the Sanhedrin in these verses, and he's, he's reminding them that they had tried to eliminate Jesus. He says, verse 30, "'Jesus whom you killed by hanging on a cross.'" They tried to eliminate him, to rule him out. But God, Peter also says, raised Jesus from the dead, he exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel repentance and forgiveness. They tried to eliminate him, but God is unstoppable and raised him from the dead. He could not be eliminated. In the verse where we just began, we had the apostles incarcerated. They're there, they're in prison, they've been arrested, they've been put in the public jail the opposition has sought to incarcerate the work of God, to limit it, to hold it back, to restrain it. But friends, God is unstoppable. Because during the night, an angel of the Lord comes and busts them out of the jail. When they go to find them in the morning, everything's locked up, but there's no one there. Because friends, God is unstoppable. You can try and eliminate him. You can try and uh, incarcerate, but you cannot because God is unstoppable and what he's doing on the earth is unstoppable. The angel comes and says, go back into the temple. Go and tell the people about this new life, this Zoe life, this God-given eternal life. He sends them back to the place where they've come, his relentless desire to reach others with this life that will last for eternity. Friends, God is unstoppable. I love the phrase that the angel uses as he sends them back to tell them about this new life. You know, sometimes I think we can feel like we have to have some really sound theological understanding of the cross and exactly what was going on to be able to share our faith with someone. And you know, that can be good and some people need to hear that, but that's not the way that everybody needs to receive this news. These disciples they were being sent out into a season of multiplication simply to tell people about this new life to tell them what they knew of it what they'd experienced to take the kingdom seed they had been given and to sow it And i wonder if i can just take a moment to encourage us that friends we don't need to have all the answers we don't have to have everything worked out. We don't have to be ready. I know like sometimes we can think, well, what if they ask me about creation and evolution? What if, what if they asked me about predestination? What if they ask me about those verses in the Old Testament that I really don't wanna talk about? You know, if someone asks you about that stuff, you can say, I'm not sure. I don't know. I'm still working that bit out if that's where you are, but you can still tell them about this new life. What have you found? What have you experienced? What have you felt or learned? You know, there's so many questions that I can't answer, and many of them begin why does God? I don't know. But I have experienced God, and I have experienced His love in a way that I can share with others, that He has given me security, that He has transformed my self esteem and satisfied my heart with His love, that the, the truth that I have found in His word has dismantled negative patterns of thinking inside of me, things that bound me up and his truth has set me free. I can share those things. I can share that I found that in Jesus, my guilt, my shame, my rubbish, they were forgiven and washed clean like a burden being lifted off my heart. I can say, share those things. I can talk to others. I can say if I've been walking through a season of grief, I can say it was so difficult, but Jesus... My faith made so much difference to me, gave me hope, gave me comfort, gave me strength. I don't have to have all the answers, but I can tell people about this new life. You know, sometimes our plain and simple language can be exactly what people need to hear. I was talking to somebody, a friend of mine just last week, she said she'd been journeying with a lady who has a very complex set of circumstances and she'd seen this lady a little while ago and she was just crying and crying. She didn't wanna share, she didn't wanna talk. She was just inconsolable. So my friend said all she could do was pray for her and pray that Jesus would give her comfort and meet her where she was, but nothing appeared to change. The person continued crying and went home crying. My friend went home saying, well, thank you, Lord. Why did you not show up today? What was that about? And then a little while later, she was with this friend again, helping her in her home. Uh, The lady perhaps not in the best of moods and being a little aggressive and said to her, why do you believe in God? My friend was a little taken aback and was, you know, paused for a moment, thinking, what does she really want to know? Is she just angry? What's going on? But before she was able to answer, the lady came back to her and said, you know that time you prayed for me when I was crying?" My friend said, yeah. She said, when you prayed, I felt whole and clean. Is that why you believe in God? My friend said, yes, yes. That's (laughs) definitely why I believe in God. And the lady followed up and she said, so do you feel whole and clean all the time then? My friend said, yes, I do. Simple language about this new life, simple words can be used to tell others about what Jesus does. Now, the opposition that we read of in these verses, they couldn't eliminate what God was doing. They couldn't incarcerate what God was doing. So they tried to intimidate them instead. They said, we told you not to preach in this name. In verse 40, we see them again. They're there, they're being flogged. They're being ordered not to speak in the name of Jesus. They are trying to intimidate them. But these guys that we see... They are full of the Holy Spirit, and there's something that the Holy Spirit is doing in them that is making them bold, so they are not intimidated. They can't even be intimidated anymore because the unstoppable God is with them, in them, working through them, changing them. They are beginning to look like they are people who follow an unstoppable God. And in fact, you know, as these guys were walking with God, as they were praying, being filled with the Holy Spirit, praying for the sick in public places and seeing them healed, facing opposition and seeing God come through for them, they were seeing and they were experiencing that God is unstoppable. They were walking in the truth that the opposition couldn't eliminate them, couldn't incarcerate them, couldn't even successfully intimidate what God was on with in the earth. And as they were obedient to him, as they continued to speak, as they continued to go where he was calling them to go, they became unstoppable too. It's point number two they became unstoppable. We have this wise man, this Pharisee in the the verses we read, Gamaliel, his name is. He's speaking to the Sanhedrin. He's He's there to oppose the apostles. He is against what he sees going on. He's obviously seen a bit of life. He's seen some movements come and go. Some people have a bit of influence for a time, but then they fizzled out and come to nothing. And he says these powerful words. He says, leave these men alone, for if their purpose is of human origin, it will fail. But Acts 5.39, he says this, I think it's gonna come up on the screen. He says, but if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. I have this verse written out on my desk because then when I feel intimidated, I think, no, if this is from God, And if I'm doing what I believe God has told me to do, then it cannot be stopped. It cannot be stopped because I serve the unstoppable God. And those who are on with what God is on with, they become unstoppable. And friends, this is why it's so important for us to learn to hear God's voice, to learn to discern his voice from his Holy Spirit, but also to read his word and to let him direct us. Because if we will hear and then obey what he is asking of us, Although it may be scary, it may not be comfortable. It may not be what we planned or had in mind. We'll find ourselves on board with the unstoppable God. And yes, as we do so, there may be opposition that tries to rule us out, that tries to hold us back, that tries to shut us up. But when we walk in obedience to him, when he speaks and we obey, we get on board with the unstoppable God and we become unstoppable too. Friends, this is part of us stepping up as as individuals, as followers of Jesus into our Christian maturity, taking obedience seriously. There's other aspects that we see in these chapters as the disciples move from addition to multiplication, they're stepping into maturity. They're learning to pray when they face opposition. They're learning to be filled with the Holy Spirit and His boldness. We see them learning to share what they have with one another, going beyond just comfort and blessing, even rejoicing, that they were counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name of Jesus. No wonder, no wonder they became unstoppable. Three things this morning, God is unstoppable. They became unstoppable. And the third thing that I see in the text is that they never stopped. Verse 42, it says, "'Day after day in the temple courts, "'from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Messiah. They didn't give up. They didn't stop. It got difficult, but they carried on. They persevered. You know, perseverance is a key aspect of Christian maturity. Of course, it doesn't mean we don't rest. There's a biblical pattern for rest, for weekly Sabbath. It's important we mustn't um, neglect that. But they never stopped. They didn't quit. They didn't give up. They kept telling others. They kept taking the kingdom seed that had been entrusted to them, and they kept sowing it. They kept being obedient. What they were given didn't stay in their hands unfulfilled. They never stopped. I know for many of us, we've already had a season in COVID where many things stopped. Lots of things stopped. A large number of those have resumed. Not all of them, but many of them. Well, some of those are still in something of a post COVID phase, perhaps not completely returned to where they were. I'm aware in my own life, I've found it challenging to become fully reconnected socially with others. I know before COVID, I'd become intentional about trying to connect with some others around my life who did not know Jesus so that I could share with them. But in COVID, I stopped and I've struggled to get started again beyond some key people in my wider family. I need to get going again at sowing kingdom seed more widely. Perhaps you're the same. Dan, I wonder if you could come and join me. I saw someone really recently who, before COVID, they used to serve regularly with our kids and then COVID happened. And of course, coming through COVID and out the other side has not been straightforward or easy for everybody. And finally, just really recently, they stepped back into that setting. And I saw them after the first time they'd been up in our kids' work, leading a session alongside someone else, and they looked alive. They looked full of joy. They'd taken something that they'd been on with before, but they'd stopped. And then they got started again. They'd taken the kingdom seed, simple things that they've been given. And they put them to use, sowed them so that they could multiply. And the result for them was joy. I could see they were alive. Friends, as we move towards Vision Sunday in a couple of weeks' time, as we seek to enter into a season of maturity and multiplication, and all that that may entail, we're inviting you to ask God, what do you want me to give? Yes, specifically, financially, we will have a vision offering. So to ask Him, what do you want me to pledge or to give? And then we encourage you to trust Him and to do it. Can I say He knows your finances today and tomorrow? You can trust Him. He is the unstoppable God. We're not suggesting an amount, let Him suggest the amount. But beyond that, I want to invite you to ask Him what other kingdom seed you've been given. What gifts, what skills, what experiences, what stories or testimonies. To ask Him, is this seed that I have forgotten about? Is this seed that I just haven't got around to sowing? Maybe he'll show you an area of your life, maybe to grow in or to be active in, or to shift, to be obedient in. Maybe there's someone he wants you to share this new life with, someone to encourage or to help, maybe a ministry to be involved with or some training to do. But friends, there are people around our lives for every one of us who need to hear about this new life. There are people waiting to be prayed for so that they might feel whole And clean because they've never felt it there are people waiting to experience Jesus personally I want to have the joy of seeing what God can grow through the seed that he's entrusted to me and I want to be on board with the unstoppable God and when I see the seed sower and the seed giver I want him to be pleased that I did something with what had been entrusted to me. Friends, we don't serve a God who is in power today, but may be dethroned tomorrow. We serve the unchanging, unstoppable God who is inviting us to join with him in the unstoppable work of bringing his kingdom in the earth, but we need to do something with the seed that we've been given. And each of us has been given something and a part to play. And when we do that, we join God in what He's doing and we get caught up in the kingdom of the unstoppable God. And as we do this, and as we take a step into towards multiplication and maturity, I know we're gonna see God bringing His kingdom. We make room for God to move. So of course, there is a response for this Vision Sunday and we 're inviting you to go away and ask God what He wants you to do and particularly if you 're married and you need to work through that together don 't leave it till the last moment so you 've got some time to talk and reflect on what you sense God is saying but don 't worry about anyone else and what He 's asking them to do just do what He asks you to do but I also want to invite you to respond this morning if your heart maybe be is spurred to go again to go afresh to sow. The kingdom seed that has been entrusted to you. You may not even know exactly what God has put in you, but you know there's something that He's deposited in you. Maybe you sense an urgency or a call or just a stirring. So I simply invite you to stand, if that's you this morning, and we're going to pray. If you just know today, "I, I, I want to sow what God has given me, I want to be active in this next season. There's some things that I need to move on. Just stand to your feet right now and we're going to pray. I'm going to invite the band to come up and join me. And if you want to respond this morning, just stand right now and we're going to pray together. Because friends, as we've sung, he never stops working. And he's doing something in our nation and he's doing something in the nations of the earth. So let's bring ourselves before him. Father, we thank you today. We thank you that you are the unstoppable God. And Lord, we so need you to be our refuge and our strength. We so need your Holy Spirit to fill us and to make us bold. But we thank you, Lord, that you can't be ruled out, that you can't be held back and you can't be shut up, that you are the unstoppable God. And we thank you that you are on with the work in the earth of bringing your kingdom and that you are inviting us to trust you to obey you and to be part of what you are doing. So we thank you. Father, we thank you that you have entrusted kingdom seed to each one of us. We thank you that you're stirring our hearts and we ask that you would continue to stir our hearts, to wake us up, help us to arise and to shine with your light. Help us to sow the seed that you've given to us that you might multiply each one of us pour out your spirit on us afresh, Jesus. Enable us to step out. Enable us to persevere. Bring people across our paths, we pray, even this week, that we might tell them about this new life in Jesus. But may you find surrendered hearts here, Lord. As we sow kingdom seed, we pray that it would make room for you to move, to do a new thing in our nation. We want to make way for you, King Jesus. And so we bring ourselves and say, Lord, move us to where you need us to be. Help us to be active in using what you've put in us so that you can be honored and glorified and you can bring your kingdom here. We pray in Jesus' name.